Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. It's an old, old story, but I pray we can take a fresh look at it uh, and be uh, inspired tonight. How many has ever, ever, ever in your life experienced uh, some type of just uh, a miracle? You just have to say it was a miracle from the Lord. Several. Praise God. Um, We're going to read about a miracle in our uh, text tonight. And uh, I'm going to just try to share some things and make some observations and uh, trust that uh, the Lord will uh, lead us to a greater understanding of our part uh, in his plan for our lives in the miraculous uh, area. So uh, John chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then was first after the troubling of the water stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you, wonderful Lord, for this text. Thank you for the gospel of John. Thank you for the works of Christ that's been recorded for us, for our Uh, knowledge and uh, appropriation and uh, example. I pray, God, we lean on you tonight. Hallelujah. Let us, Lord, glean from this story. Apply in our lives. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. All God's children say amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor and say, going from verge to victory. Verge to victory. God bless you. You can be seated. This text, I I thought as I looked at it again, uh, I was reminded that we can be, church, we can be close to a miracle. We can be on the verge, which is on the edge or the threshold. But our miracle will not come to pass until... We make contact with Christ. And all it takes for a miracle to transpire in our lives 
is that simple coming in contact with Christ. Do you know that's why we gather on a Sunday night is so folks can come in contact with Christ. It's not just for singers to sing. It's not just for preachers to preach. It's for people to come in contact with Christ. The first thing we notice is that this man had this severe crippling handicap and spent how long? 38 years of his life right there at the pool on the verge. Somebody say on the verge. He was on the verge of receiving God's blessing. But for all those years, he never experienced it until the day that our text speaks about it. And that's the subject of this thought, on the verge or in the victory. Because 38 years is a long time. It's just about the average working man's life of productivity as far as in a career. 38 years. I mean, after you've worked for 38 years at any vocation, you can rightfully say, I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm retiring, right? But here's a man who had spent that many years not working productively, but rather waiting and waiting unsuccessfully beside this pool, wanting to receive his miracle, needing a supernatural touch of God's power and being very close to it, but never close enough, right? He was separated from, from health. He was separated from healing by just probably a few inches, probably a few feet. He just, I mean, he was just one step basically away from life without his limits, the handicaps. He was so near, but yet so far. And what really separated him was not just that one step, but I think he had become pessimistic. I would have, right? He had cultivated this doubtful pessimism about his condition because it seems he had become resigned to this situation. It seems he had reached a point of saying, well, it is what it is, right? Accepting it like it was his destiny, seeing no hope of ever rising above it, seeing no hope of escape from his condition, he simply resigned himself to the sidelines of the pool. And he, he was close to where the action was, but he was not in the place where it was really happening for him. He became an observer on the verge, looking over into the victory, probably a lot of days he daydreamed of the victory. Every time the season of deliverance came and the angel troubled the waters, about all he got to do was watch, spectate, rather than participate. Think of this. 
He was so close to a miracle, but yet it never touched him. He was so close to divine activity, but yet it never affected him. All he could do was look on with wishful thinking, being just a few steps away from victory. He had lived that out. That was his story. He had lived it for 38 years. All right, so let's notice a few things. Number one, I want us to notice Christ's challenging question. Okay, so 38 years has gone by. Finally, one day, uh, Christ comes and he challenges this man. He challenged him to the very core of his being with a question that I think Christ asks all of us from time to time, probably every time we find ourselves on the verge of victory in our life. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Christ has come again and again and asked the same question. Don't you want to be free from this? Don't you want to be made whole? Don't you want to change? Don't you want something different? Doesn't freedom sound appealing? Ah, uh, yeah. You see, the Lord comes to challenge us from time to time because there are believers tonight who are just in a sense living on the verge day to day instead of living in the victory. They're close to holy activity. They're close to the miraculous power of God. They have watched it. They have witnessed it. They have seen its effect year in and year out. They have seen God work. They've seen God move upon others. They've seen his supernatural miracles take place. They've seen the power of his word. They've seen the power of his spirit. And yet, yet it has not performed any activity in their lives. They are on the verge. They keep thinking, well, perhaps one day, someday, it'll be my day, right? And if you're feeling that way tonight, I want to let you know Christ is drawing near to the pool. And he can see you waiting by the pool. Praise God. All it takes is his presence. All it takes is his power. He sees where you are. He sees the negativity, the way you shrink back in fear. He sees the doubt. He sees the worry, the way we hold ourselves back and we fail and we refuse to take the plunge into His presence, into His power. He sees it all and He is challenging us. Right? He wants to touch us tonight with His presence, with His power, so we will abandon everything else and make a desperate plunge into His power, into His presence, throw ourselves completely upon His mercy, and say, God, it's my turn. Turn your neighbor and say, It's my turn. When we do that, we'll find the power of God is there to sustain us. It is there to strengthen us. It is there to support us and move us from the verge to the victory. All right, so number two, notice not only Christ's challenge to this man, but now let's notice the man's excuses. Sister Jenna mentioned this. Not this exact uh, story, but... 
these excuses. You know, when Christ challenged this man with the question, he began to offer Christ the kind of excuses that come out of a lifetime of negative, doubtful thinking. And I think sometimes the greatest enemy of the church is some of the faithful who make excuses to God and themselves for just parking on the sidelines and not getting in the mainstream of the move of God. You know, the greatest thing our generation needs, I believe, in this hour is to cast all reservations aside and step in by faith into the mainstream of God's power. Notice the man's excuse. First excuse, I have no man. Say it with me, I have no man. And some of you single ladies are snickering. Because this excuse sounds familiar. The first thing he said is, Sir, I have no man. I've not got anybody. Which is translated, I'm looking for some person. But I haven't found him yet. I'm looking to some man to help me get in the pool and get my miracle. I'm depending on some personality to get me to my miracle. Uh, I wish somehow we could transfer our culture's craving for the attention of the high-profile celebrities and personalities and just take that craving and focus it completely upon Christ. If we did that, we would find out our miracle isn't going to come from some personality. It isn't going to come from some man other than the God-man named Jesus who alone has the power to bring miracles into our lives. Amen? I don't have anybody. I'm depending on somebody. I'm looking for somebody. I'm looking within the realm of man. Listen, I gave up looking to man a long time ago. Because I realize there's no one except Christ who can provide the victory that I need in my life. I've seen a lot of people who waited depending on a man to bring them their answer. That's a sad state to be in when we as God's people look to personalities instead of the presence of Christ. Christ is the one who empowers. He is the one who provides the answer we need. And when we look to man, we get what man can do, which is usually fail most of the time. But when we look to Christ, we get what Christ can do, which is produce victory every time. Oh, somebody raise your hands and praise Him. So can I tell somebody tonight, quit looking, quit looking to man. Start looking to God. Okay, second excuse. Okay, the first one was, I have no man. Second excuse, I'm just too weak. I'm just too weak. I can't get there in time. I can't get up. What he was really saying is, I'm too slow. I'm too slow. 
And right here, I think, is his main problem. One word, hesitation. Somebody say hesitation. Now, I don't know if they could visibly see the angel uh, stir the water, see it when it started moving. I don't know all the details. But all of a sudden, there had to be some kind of unusual commotion in the water. Don't ask me to explain it because this was not my arrangement. This was God's arrangement. And we can't always explain God's arrangements. But I suppose they must have been able to see, see it when it happened. And while, evidently while this gentleman was making up his mind and sort of trying to get up and reach out or something, somebody else rushed in. Do you know our hesitation can sometimes abort the miraculous in our lives? Hello. Sometimes the Lord moves in the midst of our church service and some of us hesitate because we want to see what so-and-so is going to do. Oh, help me preach for just a few more minutes. We wait to see how so-and-so is going to respond to the moving of the Spirit. And while we're hesitating, we're missing our miracle. Because we're watching everyone else move from verge to victory. Next time, we need somebody to say, Excuse me. You may be waiting till kingdom comes, but not me. I've hesitated and I've left service after service devastated for the last time. I'm going to take the plunge this time, whether anybody else does or not. Oh, somebody, while somebody else is worshiping, somebody else is looking around. Oh, it's time somebody raise your hands and say, God, tonight's my night. This service is my service. Hallelujah. Don't hesitate. Notice the third excuse. Another steps in. In front of me. So here it is. The third excuse was that he blamed others for his failures. Oh, it's just other people. They're just too aggressive. They're just too fast, Jesus. They're too quick. They're too greedy. And they cut in line. Get ahead of me. You know, there's some awful sad stories people have told about why they're still on the verge rather than in the victory. If it hadn't been for so-and-so in church, the way they looked at me, or if it hadn't been for so-and-so and what they said to me, go on. Keep talking like that. You'll live another 38 years on the verge. Hello. They'll go on and they'll go on. And they're building excuses for why they haven't. But let's, re let's be reminded tonight there are no excuses with God. Well, I might as well go ahead and knock the props completely out from under us and say that God has no patience putting up with our excuses. Nobody likes to hear excuses, and that includes God. 
It was a good day. I, I thought this afternoon it was a good day in Bible school when I realized that my Bible teachers were there to grade me on what I did know from their class, not on why I didn't know it. Hello? I learned that you don't get promoted by making excuses. Hmm? Listen, folks, people don't hire you when you make excuses. But yet, that's the way many live out their Christian experience all the time, telling God why they fail to obey. Oftentimes, just like this brother in our text, we blame others. We blame others or we say, I'm waiting for a special time. I'm waiting for this special place. I'm waiting for a special person. We say, oh, oh, if I could just catch a break, pastor. Listen, friend, the only break we need is to break our will at the altar of consecration and allow the presence of God to open the door of the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. Oh, but number three, notice the empowering command. Christ moved past all the man's excuses. I'm so glad Christ doesn't let our excuses stop him. Notice Christ changed his question into a command. And he said in verse 8, after all these excuses, he just cuts to the chase and says, rise, take up your bed and walk. I'm not going to leave you with any excuses. If we're hesitating and professionally playing the blame game, we don't need to figure out every little detail. We don't need to be psychoanalyzed. We just need to get back to the command of Christ and let the Holy Spirit speak it into our minds. It'll give us a clear cut command. Oh my friend it will clear up the fog in your mind. It'll revisit the words of Jesus when he says arise take up your bed. Now look he's telling them to do something physically impossible. But oh something happened. Praise God. Listen I want to tell you, we never have to be afraid of doing anything that Christ commands us to do. It may seem like the impossible, but along with Christ's commands comes the power, comes the authority to obey. See that it happens here. Notice when the word of Christ comes, it comes with power to perform. And it's such a powerful word. How many know when Christ speaks all creation? listens oh praise the lord i don't know which psalm it is but one of the psalms says at his word even the calves will calve i don't know about you but when when i read about him being on the boat and he stands up and says peace be still Creation listens. All creation. But here's a man. He's not stood up for 38 years on his own. Only way he's been able to stand is by leaning on somebody or having them on the other side, one on each side, propping him up. But Christ says, this time, get up by yourself. Oh, I hope you hear the divine call. If you're under some cloud of discouragement, tonight if you're under the fear, somehow you're stuck in the mire of unbelief, hear the command. It's a clear command. Rise up. 
Take up your bed. Listen, Christ's command comes with the power to respond in faith. He says, rise. Now, when we start to stand to our feet, when we start to rise, it's then the hand of Christ is going to meet ours. Strength comes. And so after he says, rise, he says, take up your bed and walk. Now, here's a man who for 38 years had his back on his bed, and now his bed is on his back. Which says to me that the problems we have been stuck in, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. If we will just obey, embrace the command, if we will embrace the command of Christ, we can handle this. Church, we can handle this. Every burden, every load that's been pushed off on us, if we listen to the command of Christ, we can rise. We can handle it under the power. I feel to remind somebody tonight that there is nothing that comes our way that we cannot handle if we have embraced the power of Christ's spoken word. It doesn't matter what our burden is. We can walk with it in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and immediately this man was made whole. I love the word immediately because it speaks of now. Somebody say now. Here's a man who had lived on the verge for 38 years. Listen, all hope had faded in his picture for victory, but Christ suddenly helps him understand you can still move from the verge to the victory. I'm reminding us this evening, God is not pointing out tomorrow. He is not saying next service or next Sunday. He is saying now, immediately. If there's faith you want to have you got to activate it now if there's a ministry you want to launch you got to do it now if you got to work for God it's time to do it now if you want God to work in your family trust him now I know I know he's the God of the past I know he's the God of the future but I love the fact he's the God of the now Oh, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's the God of the present. Immediately His Word can transform. Immediately His Word can heal. Immediately His Word can change. Uh, Listen, we don't have to live on the verge any longer. Uh, We can go from the verge to the victory now. Uh, What this man did not realize uh, was that he was closer in time to his miracle than he had ever been. Listen, I know we have a God that can change things years down the road and also far off in the future, but I'm also talking about a God who can change things now in fact it may be just a couple moments it may be now that someone transitions from the verge to the victory right does that make sense you know for some people this may be the very season that you experience the miracle that you've been on the verge of for years That's what this guy was. The truth is, you may not understand everything that is going on in your life at the present time, but in spite of the fact that the enemy is hitting you hard, in spite of the fact that you're going through the greatest trial of your life, you can still believe that your victory is coming. 
Praise God. You can still believe in your promise and know that one of these days, your promise is going to be a reality. Listen, while you may not have any evidence that a victory is about to take place, you can have a confidence that he is still an on-time God. I said, church, he is still an on-time God in spite of the fact that in the natural, nothing seems to be changing. You can still believe if God said it, he will do it. If he spoke it, he's going to bring it to pass. Hallelujah, in spite of the fact that everything looks like it's always looked. The truth is you can know victory is coming simply because you're hanging on to a promise. All I have is a promise. If all you have is a promise, a promise is all you need. Somebody listen to me. All Abraham had was a promise and Isaac was born when he was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. They're going to be raising Isaac on the retirement fund. With nothing more than a promise, Moses led the children of Israel out of bondage. Listen, all Joseph had was a promise, but that promise brought him out of the pit, out of the prison, and finally into the palace. When Christ died on the cross, church, the only reason he knew that after three days he would rise again was because he had a promise from his father. He died with that promise, but that promise did not die with him. He was placed in the tomb with a promise, but three days later, he walked out of the grave because there was a promise. Because of the promise, we know things will not remain the same for the believer. Because of our promise, we know our future will be better than our past. There is a victory that we can trust is coming. Praise God. I'm preaching a little too loud, I know. But our tr- oftentimes the world doesn't understand us, do they? Sometimes our family doesn't understand us. Sometimes our church friends don't understand us. They can't figure us out. The reason they cannot understand is because they see all the negativity you go through and they don't see the promise that you have. Hello. It's that promise that gives us the peace. It's that promise that causes us to praise. Oh, somebody ought to praise him. Somebody ought to praise him right there. Because we know that we are not going through what we are going through alone. Hello. We know that the Lord is going to show up one of these years and all He will do is speak to us and our obedience to His words will move us. From the verge to the victory. We'll step over the threshold into the victory. In closing, you may be here tonight and you're having a difficult, trying time. Challenging time to figure out what's going on in your life. Your mind tells you one thing. Your spirit tells you another. 
you're conflicted. The best way I can describe it is your body is still in the present. Your spirit, though, has stepped into the future. And your mind gets confused because it's trying to figure out what's going on. I said your spirit has stepped into the victory, but your mind is stuck on the verge. But I want you to hear what Paul told the church at Corinth. He said, eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. For God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. While our body is still stuck on the verge, our spirit can step into the victory, into a place of restoration, into a place of renewal. Listen, did you ever notice that Christ, even though he was the son of God, did you know he never began his earthly ministry until he had had a fight with the devil? Hmm? After he was baptized, you know the story in the river Jordan, God the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This was the very first time that God the Father publicly announced to the world, hey, this is my son. As soon as God the Father announced to the world who Jesus was, the Bible says he was, Christ was immediately driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And as soon as the Father spoke, Christ experienced an increase of demonic activity against him. Do you know that can happen to you? Hello. When God gives you a promise, you might as well expect increased demonic activity. Three separate times, Satan challenged Christ's position as the Son of God. Challenging him to turn the stones into bread. Challenging him to cast himself down from the temple. And to finally tempt him by giving him the nations if he would fall down and worship him. And after Christ went through the temptation, Satan leaves as Christ had rebuked him. And, and Christ is alone. But the Bible says the angels came and ministered unto him. Oh, somebody say... There's a blessing on the other side of the battle. I said, there's a blessing on the other side of your battle. And after the temptation, Christ returned in the power of the Holy Spirit into Galilee. And he goes into the temple and begins to read from the book of Isaiah, declaring that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. And that he was anointed by his father. Listen, the same is true today. Before a person receives a miracle, experiences a breakthrough, or enters a new season of their life, they seem to always go through a time when the enemy hits them the hardest. Hello. They go through a time when their faith is tested. They seem to always go through a time when things look totally opposite of what God has showed them or told them. Before Joseph goes to the palace, he first goes into the pit and into prison. Before David gets to the throne, he spends years running from an egotistical maniac who was seeking to take his life. But in the end, who won? God's promise did. 
Oh, hallelujah. Sis Jones, you better come. I need to quit here. I need some quitting music. If we stay faithful, what God promises will come to pass. Why? Because we are not. It's not our end. The pit wasn't the end for Joseph, was it? Running from Saul was not the end for David. <clears throat> Egypt was not the end for the children of Israel. The tomb wasn't the end for Christ. Oh, hallelujah. In the end, we will get to where God has promised we will go. Hmm. Don't be fooled by circumstances around you. I just need to tell somebody that as we stand together. Don't be fooled by circumstances around you. Don't let the battle distract you. Go ahead and tell your neighbor that. Don't let the battle distract you, neighbor. Don't let your battle distract you. Regardless of what it looks like, believe what God has promised because in the end, it'll come to pass. Quit focusing on what you're going through and begin focusing on what you're going towards. Quit looking at where you are and start looking at where you're going. Israel went through the fire, went through the flood before they ever entered the promised land. But Psalm 66, 12 says, We went through the fire and through the water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. Hallelujah. You may be in the fire, you may be in the flood, but you are on your way to a healthy place. A place of promise. Why? Because the fire for the believer, the fire is temporary. The flood is temporary. Right? The struggle is not going to last forever. It's real, but it's not going to last forever. The pain is not permanent. The change is coming. And so if you're saying, Pastor, you don't know the giants that showed up at my house lately. Listen, if giants have been showing up in your life, it's a sign you're entering the promise. Hello? Hello? The 12 spies did not see any giants until they crossed over into Canaan. They never saw giants while in Egypt. They only saw the giants when they entered the land that God had promised to them. You are on the verge of victory. In fact, you are so close. Uh, you may need to go ahead and, pra go ahead and practice your victory shout. <laughs> Somebody worship Him. Oh, go ahead and worship Him. I said, somebody practice your victory shout. Praise Him like you would if you were already experiencing the victory. Praise God. Because you're standing on the verge. Go ahead and cross over. God is about to fulfill every word that He's spoken to you. You're closer than you think you are. Believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, somebody step out and come around this front. Raise your hands and praise God. Believe Him. Believe Him for the promises that He's given you. Trust Him for miracles in your life. He just might be talking to you saying, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the presence of the Holy Ghost here tonight, church. We're Pentecostal. Go ahead and reach out to Him. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. God's command. Don't stay there on the shore. Step out in faith, there's so much more. You don't have to be afraid. Step in to victory. Step in to victory. Just move out from where you've been.
step into victory just obeying God's command don't stay there on the shore step out in faith there's so much more you don't have to be afraid step into victory step 